I'd like to open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. We will be reading from there in just a moment. I'll add my welcome to you all. Appreciate you all being here. It's good to have some familiar faces back amongst us. Appreciate you all being here. Good to have visitors with us as well. Good to have our members. We are short a few of our own members because of the holidays and and um, travels and all that. And uh, we had some men fill in at last moment. And I wanted to, first of all, thank them for doing that. And I also got to thinking about what Paul says there in 1 Corinthians 14 about when we come together and, and worship our God, that all things are to be done for, extra, uh, for edification, and all things are to be done properly and in, a, in an orderly manner. And we see that uh, taking place today, and I appreciate the men for taking those solemn duties and performing them in such a way. You also see in that God's simple plan, uh, it doesn't really take much to come together and worship our God. And that's a wonderful thing, that we can be here with just a few simple things, and we can worship our God on this first day of the week. In our Christian walk, we are all at different places. There are those who have been Christians for a very long time. And there are those that are new in the kingdom. And there are those, regardless of age, who are mature in the faith. Some more than others. And God, of course, understands all this. And he set up the kingdom so that we might reside in it all together. No matter what leg of the journey that we might be on at any given time. We can all be in the kingdom together, and that's a very wonderful aspect of the kingdom. But because we are at different stages in our walks as Christians, we have instructions in Scripture based on where we are in that journey. We have instructions for when we are new in the faith, and we have instructions for when we are more mature in the faith. And all of this is designed so that we first of all, realize that we are different at different stages in our walks of life. But to understand what's most important is not the differences, but what we have in common. And what we have in, com in common is indeed that citizenship in the kingdom. We are all, as Christians, if you've been baptized into Christ, then you have been added to the kingdom. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of the darkness into his light. God has set up this nation for us to belong to, for us to be citizens of. But recognizing that we are at different levels is important, like I said, but what's really important is understanding the things that we have in common. And that's the citizenship we have in the kingdom. But I wanted to, to for the purposes of our lessons, lesson this morning, to talk about some of those responsibilities that we have. And we'll start by talking about the responsibilities of those who are new in the faith. If you're there in 1 Peter 2, read with me verses 1 through 3. It says, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and evil and all slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, 
if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. First thing, there's lots of things that we have as responsibilities. For the purpose of this lesson, we're going to look at three things that the newborn babe needs to do as their responsibility in the kingdom. And one, the first one is simply to read the Bible. Peter here is telling his audience that we should crave the milk of the word. And he uh, likens that to a baby craving milk. As a child of God, as a, as a new Christian, we need to long after the word of the Lord. And we do that. We find it, of course, in Scripture. As a newborn, or as new in the faith, it should be your goal to learn as much as you can about the God that you serve. And the only way that you can do that is by reading it in Scripture. There's no other means by which you can accomplish this other than hearing and reading the word of the Lord. You're not going to get it from some special or, or divine revelation. You're not going to get it through some special commission that God has put you on. You're not going to get it from any outside book or any kind of commentary or any study Bible. You're going to get it from the inspired word of God. That's, that's where the instructions come from. As a child of God, if you want to know how to be pleasing to him, you read it in scripture. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15 says to be diligent to show yourself approved to God. A workman who does not need to be ashamed handling accurately the word of truth. If you want to be a workman for God, then you need to be able to handle the word of truth. To be able to pick up this book, this collection of books, really, and understand what it means, and understand how to serve God. If we want to be pleasing to God as a, as a child of God, as a new child of God, we've got to live a godly life. Sounds simple, right? Well, it is. If we want to be pleasing to God, we need to live a life that he has dictated for us. He expects you to live in a certain way. If you've been freed from sin, you're now to be a servant to God. Look over in 2 Peter, or 1 Peter 2, if you're there, over to verse 13. It says, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to as a king or one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you might silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as, a, as bond slaves of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. If you want to be pleasing to God, you need to live a life like that. Simple. Follow the rules. Obey God. Honor the king. You become a bond slave to God. That's what Peter says there. You've been freed from sin. Now you become a slave to God. Simply living a godly life is how you're pleasing to God in that way. As a child of God, another obvious thing 
is we need to avoid sin. Sin is part of being human. It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. There at Adam, e Adam and Eve in the garden. Sin entered the world. It's part of being human. Romans 3 and verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Something we've done in the past is something that's ongoing. But it should be your goal to avoid sin as much as you can. Yes, it's in the world. Yes, it's part of being a human. It doesn't, doesn't mean that we should just engage in it. In 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, My little children, I am writing these things so that you may not sin. The writings that we have, the lessons that are in Scripture, all these things are helping us so that we won't sin, so that we won't transgress God's law, which is what sin is. But look what he says there in the second part of verse 1 of 1 John 2. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. John's saying, don't sin, but here's what God has provided for us, because he knows that we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. Jesus Christ is our propitiation for sins, he goes on to say there in verse 2. Not ours only, but for those of the whole world. God has given us a way that we can be saved from sin, even the sins that are ongoing. Back up in verse, uh, in chapter 1 and verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is righteous and just to forgive us. If as becoming a child of God, you sin, you ask God for forgiveness. That's the way it works. But the point is to try to avoid sin wherever we can. So, those are some things that we can talk about as far as being uh, uh, new in the kingdom, being a babe in Christ, being new to the faith. What about those who are more mature in the faith? What responsibilities do they have? Well, there's many things, again, that we, could, that we could talk about and point to, but for the sake of our lesson and our time here, we'll look at three. And the first one is to read the Bible. Does that sound familiar? Those who are more mature in the faith have a responsibility to know Scripture. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, remember what that says? Be diligent to show yourself approved to God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. Does that sound familiar? Still applies. If you're mature in the faith, that verse still applies to you. Still need to be diligent. Still need to be seeking out what's in God's word so that you may know better how to serve him. A workman who does not need to be ashamed. But older women and older men have, a, have more responsibility. They have a responsibility towards those who are younger. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2 says, These things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So yes, those older in the faith need to be diligent and study and know the scriptures, being able to handle them accurately, rightly divide, as the King James says. But as an older one in the faith, we have a responsibility to those who are younger. Look with me over in Titus chapter 2. 
Titus chapter 2. There's a responsibility that those who are older in the faith, more mature in the faith, have to those who are younger. In Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it says, But as for you, speak these things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love and perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior. Not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. That they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be dishonored. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible. In all things, show yourself to be an example to good deeds, in purity, in doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, in order that the opponent may be put to shame, having nothing to say, um, nothing bad to say about us. There's a responsibility that the older men and older women have to those who are younger. Teaching them the things that they found in Scripture. How to be sensible, how to be kind, how to love their children, how to love their husbands. We have that responsibility as older in the faith. What else do we have as a responsibility for those older in the faith? Well, we need to live a godly life. In case you had not figured it out yet, it's the same things. <laughs> Just as a, a babe in Christ needs to live a godly life, a mature one in Christ needs to live a godly life also. The life of a mature Christian is still to be a godly life. In fact, he or she is expected to live an even more godly life as the years go by. Look over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Beginning verse 9. It says, Now as to, the, uh, as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia. But here's where we need to excel still more. But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and to attend your own business and work with your hands just as we have commanded you so that you may behave properly toward outsiders and not be any, in any need. The godly life we live needs to be excelling. Excel still more. Paul is complimenting them on the things that they have done, but he tells them, keep going. Keep excelling. Make it your ambition to live a quiet life. There's always room for improvement. God has provided us all the things that we need in order to live this life. He doesn't leave us wanting. Over in Ephesians 4, he tells us some of the things that he's given to us to make sure that we, le- that we reach that level of maturity and keep going from there. In Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11, It says, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unit of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, 
tossed here and there by waves, carried about by every wind of, uh, wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. He's given us the things that we need in order to grow up. He's given us those in the kingdom, teachers, preachers, those around us, the saints that we have, the, the, the brethren that we know and love. That's part of how we grow together. Till we grow up to this mature man, to this fullness that we are to seek and to achieve. And as mature Christians, we need to avoid sin. Same thing. Same as the young one in the faith. We need to avoid sin. Mature Christians still have this, obviously. But they have an added responsibility. They have added responsibility to help those who are caught up in sin. In James chapter 5, beginning verse 19, it says, My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns the sinner back from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. There we see a responsibility to help those who are in sin. Look over in Galatians 6. Galatians 6, verse 1, it says, Brethren, even if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Those who are spiritual. If we see anyone in sin, we're to help them. Help them turn away from sin, to repent. That's the responsibility of those who are mature in the faith, have towards those who are not as mature. So you see those three things that we looked at. The babe in Christ and the man in Christ, the mature man in Christ, same responsibilities, just a little bit different as far as the responsibilities towards each other. The older in the faith are expected to help those who are younger. So what about our responsibilities then towards each other? If we're talking about, yes, we have things that we need to, to do on our own, but we need to be helping each other as well. Young or mature in the faith, weak or strong, we're all in the kingdom together. Look over in Romans 14. Romans chapter 14. Paul discusses this, these weaker and stronger, if you will, these babes and more mature living side by side in the kingdom. He talks about this in Romans chapter 14. There are differences among us, as we mentioned from the, from the outset. And also, as we mentioned from the outset, it is our commonality that's most important. What we share as citizens of the kingdom not the differences. We recognize them, and Paul does recognize them here in chapter 14 and the early part of chapter 15 of Romans, that there are differences among us. But what is most important is the commonality we have. Paul discusses those who eat meats and those who eat vegetables only. He talks about those who regard certain days over other days. 
And he makes the point that as long as these things are being done properly, and they're not transgressing God's law, it doesn't matter. Look in verse 5 of Romans chapter 14. The second part of verse 5, it says, Let each man be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord. And he who gives thanks to God, and he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, or if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Eating meats, setting aside certain days over the other, doesn't matter. It says we live and die for the Lord. We have the responsibilities towards each other. And what matters is that we'll have to give an account for the things that we have done. So whatever you're doing, if you choose to eat meats or not, choose one day over the other, understand that you'll have to give an account for that. We are not to judge our brother or our sister on these kinds of things anymore. God will be the judge of all these things. Look at verse 10. It says, but why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us shall give an account for himself to God. It's not our brothers and sisters that we have to answer to on these things. It's God. He's the judge. So then what are our responsibilities as fellow citizens? What responsibilities do we have towards each other? Look at verse 13. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. I know and I am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in and of itself, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of your food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food for him who Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is, uh, for, therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who is in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue the things which make for peace and for the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. Our responsibility to each other is to stop judging each other on these things. Our responsibility to each other is to not put stumbling blocks in each other's way. Paul says what the kingdom is and what it's not. Sometimes we get caught up in trivial matters and we forget the important things. Look back in verse 17. It says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but what? 
righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. Weigh those things out. Eating and drinking, eating certain meats, not meats, vegetables, drinking, days of the week. How do those compare to righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit? It's not what we eat or drink. It's righteousness, joy, peace, the Holy Spirit. This is the way that we are acceptable to God. When we focus on the things, on these things, the weighty things, not meats and vegetables. Do not destroy with your food for him who Christ died. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. You ever pulled those out of this and thought about it? Do not destroy with your food for whom Christ died. Christ died for me. Christ died for Shirley. Christ died for each one of us in here. Why would I do something against Shirley when Christ died for me and her? Why would I destroy her with what I eat and what I don't eat when Christ died for us both? We're not to tear down but we are to build up. Look down in verse 2 of chapter 15. It says, Let each one of us please his neighbor for his good to his edification. Let each one please his neighbor. Yes, we have the responsibility of working out our own salvation from Philippians 2 and verse 12. No doubt. But we also have the responsibility to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we're, we won't get to heaven if we're constantly criticizing and judging our brethren over things that are of no consequence. We are exhorted to be united in our faith, to be of one mind. Look there in verse 5 of chapter 15. It says, Now may the God who gives per perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The kingdom of heaven is not eating and drinking. Righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Young or mature in the faith, we have responsibilities to God. Whatever stage of life we're in. We must know how to read the scriptures. And study and learn and understand what they're saying to us, whether we're a babe in Christ or whether we're an old man. We must live godly lives. We must do our best to avoid sin. In all this, we have responsibilities to each other as fellow citizens of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. You've been baptized into Christ. You have been made a member of the kingdom. In Romans 6, Paul talks extensively about this. Verse 3 of chapter 6. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. In order that as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. The only way to become a part of the kingdom is to be baptized. 
be baptized into our Lord's death, to walk in newness of life. That newness of life is the kingdom. That's how we become a member of it. If you're not a child of God, you can make that right. You've heard the gospel. You've heard what is uh, important in living a godly life. And understand that Jesus Christ died for our sins. And knowing that the only way that we can come in contact with that is through, through baptism, as Paul points out here in Romans 6. If you're subject to that, let it be known. We can help you with that in your journey. If as a child of God you've stumbled and you are not living the way that you should, if you've forgotten what it means to be a, a mature Christian, then let that be known as well. If there's any needs that you might have, any sins that you need to confess, whatever we might be able to help you with, let it be known by coming forward as we stand and sing.